So our scripture reading today is from Luke chapter 7, verses 36 through 50. And if you were here over the summer, this reading might sound familiar to you. Luke 7, 36 through 50, Jesus anointed by a sinful woman. When one of the Pharisees invited Jesus to have dinner with him, he went to the Pharisee's house and reclined at the table. A woman in that town who lived a sinful life learned that Jesus was eating at the Pharisee's house, so she came there with an alabaster jar of perfume. As she stood behind him at his feet weeping, she began to wet his feet with her tears. Then she wiped them with her hair, kissed them, and poured perfume on them. Now when the Pharisee who had invited them saw this, he said to himself, If this man were a prophet, he would know who is touching him and what kind of woman she is, that she is a sinner. Jesus answered him, Simon, I have something to tell you. Tell me, teacher, he said. Two people owned money to a certain moneylender. One owed him 500 denarii and the other 50. Neither of them had the money to pay him back, so he forgave the debts of both. Now, which of them will love him more? Simon replied, I suppose the one who had the bigger debt forgiven. You have judged correctly, Jesus said. Then he, that being Jesus, turned toward the woman and said to Simon, Do you see this woman? I came into your house. You did not give me any water for my feet, but she wet my feet with her tears and wiped them with her hair. You did not give me a kiss, but this woman, from the time I have entered, has not stopped kissing my feet. You did not put oil on my head, but she has poured perfume on my head, on my feet. Therefore, I tell you, her many sins have been forgiven, as her great love has shown. But whoever has forgiven little, loves little. And Jesus said to her, your sins are forgiven. The other guests began to say among themselves, who is this who even forgives sins? Jesus again said to the woman, your faith has saved you. Go in peace. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. What can possibly take hold in a woman known as a bad character to come into the home of a Pharisee and throw herself at the feet of Jesus? We must remember that women in that day would never think to do what this woman has done, and certainly not one to whom the scriptures have given the title of a sinful woman, most likely a prostitute. But she seems to be sparing nothing. Entering this house, which in that day, homes were more open and people would come and sit at a distance and listen to teaching, that was usual, but she's drawing near to Jesus. A woman in that time would certainly not come close to a rabbi, but she comes with her expensive alabaster jar of perfume. And these were small vials which were commonly carried around the necks of Jewish women. And then, overcome by emotion and allowing her tears to flow in the presence of these respectable men, 
and perhaps most shameful in the eyes of most, she lets her hair down to wipe the feet of Jesus after they became wet with her tears, kissing them and pouring her perfume on them. This is all so scandalous. And yet, she is obviously feeling the freedom to let it all out. Only one thing could cause anyone to demonstrate such love and devotion to Jesus. She knows she's loved and forgiven. This seems to be the case even before Jesus announces this in the presence of Simon the Pharisee and his guests. Unlike Simon the Pharisee, who has yet to come to grips with what is happening in the depths of his own heart, as evidenced by his exceptionally poor hospitality, this woman is pouring out in appreciation and love from the depths of her heart. From the depths of her heart. We see sheer delight on the part of this woman, freed from her shame. It is abundantly clear in Scripture, as evidenced in this particular passage, that no matter what anyone may think of the magnitude of our sins, including ourselves, the love and forgiveness of Jesus is absolutely transformational. When we know this deep in our hearts, we are set free. We are on a new trajectory in life, and friends, this can happen at any age and stage of life. And Jesus is willing to remind us of this again and again. The cross reminds us of this again and again. We need his love, which opens us to fully receive his forgiveness for the sins we have committed, the wrongs we have done to ourselves and to others. The psalmist reminds us us of the blessing we receive when we are forgiven. We see it clearly in Psalm 32. Blessed are those whose transgressions are forgiven, whose sins are covered. Blessed are those whose sin the Lord does not count against them, and in whose spirit is no deceit. But hear this, when I kept silent, my bones wasted away through my groaning all day long. For day and night your hand was heavy on me. My strength was sapped as in the heat of summer. The psalmist is clearly pointing to the sheer gift of knowing our sins are forgiven and not counted against us. Remember our series, The Currency of the Kingdom. It's forgiveness. I do want to focus on, in just a minute, the second half of this reading, when I kept silent, my bones wasted away through my groaning all day long. But for many of us today, the most difficult person to forgive is ourselves. We may find it much easier to forgive the wrongs of others, even when those wrongs have impacted us deeply. We may find we have far more compassion towards others than towards ourselves. We can feel this pretty deeply, and it casts a shadow over our lives constantly. 
Today, I have a sense that we may likely find ourselves in one of three camps. Let me explain what those three camps are. First of all, we may be in the camp of relating to what I just said and feeling kind of stuck there. But secondly, we may be relating to what I just said because we've been there. But today, we can really relate to this woman in Luke 7, what she's doing. We feel the love of Jesus. We sense the forgiveness. And this morning, we want to pour out our praise because of this. Or third, perhaps you're struggling to feel much at all. How does this sermon even relate to me? You may feel more complacency in life that could very well stem from living life from a posture of self-sufficiency. But in that place, you may be feeling that life just doesn't feel very vibrant or interesting to you. You may find Jesus alerting you to that fact today, friends, inviting you to let go of the self-sufficiency and recognize the need for the deep love and forgiveness of our Lord Jesus. You may be relating today to what the psalmist is saying in Psalm 32. When I kept silent, my bones wasted away through my groaning all day long. That, friends, is a feeling of malaise, desolation. But here's the gift in it. It can alert us, awaken us. The hand of the Lord is heavy upon all of us today, no matter where we sense we are in this arena of forgiving ourselves. The Lord sees all of us, knows us better than we know ourselves, and wants to set us free, to release us from the captivity we may find ourselves in. No one, friends, is outside the grips of this generous and abundant love and forgiveness of Jesus. And Jesus will stay with us, pouring that love out on us constantly. And sometimes it is that feeling or sense of that heavy hand that gets us moving forward. Prior to attending seminary and entering into pastoral ministry, I trained and worked for many years as a social worker. And strangely enough, you want to know where my first job was? The convalescent center in Kirkland that is at the center of the virus today. Yeah, goodness. But I have found myself intrigued and blessed by the work of Brene Brown. Many of you know who she is. She's a researcher, particularly in the areas of shame and vulnerability, a professor of social work at the University of Houston, and an author and perhaps best known for her TED Talks, one of which is called The Power of Vulnerability. Now, in this TED Talk, she gives us some important information today from her qualitative research about people who feel a strong sense of love and belonging. She studied them. How are they able to feel this? Well, the key thing here, friends, is that they believe they are worthy of love and belonging. And she goes on to describe these people as wholehearted because they live with four important qualities. And let me just go through those quickly. One, courage to be imperfect. Two, compassion 
to be kind to themselves and others. Three, connection as a result of authenticity in their lives. And four, they fully embrace vulnerability because they know what made them vulnerable also makes them beautiful. Well, today I believe we see all four of these characteristics in this woman in Luke 7. But it all begins with her sense of worthiness. Where does she get this sense? Again, she knows she is loved and forgiven by Jesus. So friends, she is such an encouragement to us today because we, along with Simon the Pharisee, may see someone like this as the lowest of the low. We, no matter what we have done in life to hurt and wound ourselves or others, may be feeling like the lowest of the low today. We have carried this with us for a very long time. Yet, here she is, pouring her praise out on the only one who can truly give her the love and forgiveness she craves. To bring her healing, to set her free, and cause her to pour out such love on another. Our own feelings of unworthiness, whether we feel them deeply today, or maybe have pushed them down for a long time under the guise of self-sufficiency, are caused by many things. It's not simple. Mental health professionals tell us that one of the main reasons we struggle with forgiving ourselves is that we have never seen forgiveness really demonstrated. We may have grown up in homes or lived in homes where we were victims of abuse. Friends, this is very difficult. We may have found ourselves struggling to forgive others because we've just not forgiven ourselves. Even asking questions and believing lies that lead us to think and believe we had a part in the belief in the in the abuse happening to us. As a pastor, a counselor, and a spiritual director, today I want to say to you that is a lie. We also may struggle to forgive ourselves because for some reason it just sounds selfish. It sounds selfish. We may struggle to forgive ourselves because it feels like the sin we committed is so great that it is unforgivable. And we see the evidence of how we have hurt another. Let us remind ourselves of important biblical truths this morning. First, Genesis reminds us that we're created in the very image and likeness of God. And God stepped back and saw his creation and said, it is good. Secondly, our welfare is so important to God that scripture reminds us even the hairs on our head are all numbered. Thirdly, it's only God's job to be the judge. Only God's. And this judge loves us and tells us that we are worthy of this love. We are beloved children of God. And friends, when we forgive, we forgive ourselves, it's simply an acknowledgement that we are a human being. 
just like everyone else. We all are in need of God's love and forgiveness. Now, for the perfectionists among us, and I will be the first to raise my hand on this, there's nothing we need to do to earn the love of Jesus. Nothing. It's there for us, and there is nothing we can do to lose that love. Even when we're struggling to forgive ourselves, friends, remind yourself that love is there. So with this in mind, what is a way for us to tangibly address all of this in our lives? In other words, do we have a part to play? Well, in a classic book on forgiveness written by Lewis Smedes entitled Forgive and Forget, he describes forgiving our own selves as almost the ultimate miracle of healing. Don't you love that? And he offers up some help for us in taking in more fully this love and forgiveness. So let me just draw your attention to these things today to consider as part of your journey to self-forgiveness. I'm going to pause for just a minute because if you're home, you might want to run, grab a journal, grab a piece of paper, a pen, and write these things down. Number one. The first thing we need is honesty, to ask the Holy Spirit to show us clearly where we have sinned. There really is no way to forgive ourselves without this. Without this honesty, we will only remain complacent in life. Life will feel dull, or we may feel like the psalmist, as if our bones are wasting away. Secondly, we need a clear head to make way for our forgiving heart. And here, Smeads is clear to point out that good self-esteem is not the same as self-forgiveness. Yes, good self-esteem is vital in our lives, but if we just rest on that sense of recognizing the beauty of our own souls and esteem ourselves for the good people we are, we may never forgive ourselves for the sins we've committed the unloving things that we have done. Third, we need courage to forgive ourselves. Again, a gift we can ask for from the Holy Spirit. Ask for that courage. We need courage, like this amazing woman in Luke 7, to face the accusers out there who only know the sin. Perhaps they know our sin and want to condemn or cause us to diminish. We recognize that Jesus has a better way, and that involves us being connected to others. That, friends, takes courage. Fourth, we do need to be concrete about what we're forgiving ourselves for. Now, many of us tend to pile so many things on ourselves that are just not true. Some of us are believing the lies of the enemy, the devil, or a culture that wants us to believe we're not worthy, that we're not measuring up, that we're not enough. Or people that have heaped on us all these things out of their own brokenness that are just not true. The key here is to allow the Holy Spirit to show us that one thing right now 
where we need to bring it to Jesus and ask him to forgive. The one thing, what in this season am I struggling to forgive myself about? Because friends, that is all our tender consciences are asked to do by our gracious Lord. Finally, Smeeds encourages us to confirm our outrageous act of self-forgiveness with a reckless act of love. Because love is a signal that you have done it. That you have truly released the guilt that condemned you. Did we not see that with this woman in Luke 7? Several years ago, I discovered a song uh, written by Cece Winans about this kind of love displayed by this courageous woman in Luke 7. The end of the song turns from her to us, to what can happen to us and through us when we take this step of self-forgiveness. It's called the alabaster box. I can't forget the way life used to be. I was a prisoner to the sin that had me bound. And I spent my days, poured my life without measure into a little treasure box I thought I'd found. Until the day when Jesus came to me and healed my soul with the wonder of his touch. So now I'm giving back to him all the praise he's worthy of. I've been forgiven, and that's why I love him so much. I've come to pour my praise on him like oil from this alabaster box. Don't be angry if I wash his feet with my tears and I dry them with my hair. You weren't there the day he found me. You did not feel what I felt when he wrapped his loving arms around me. And you don't know the cost of the oil in my alabaster box. So today, your pastors are and will be praying that this day marks a new way forward for you that you begin to really accept and take in more fully the love and forgiveness of Jesus that is always being extended to you. And out of that new place, you begin to sense something different. You're more loving towards yourself. The anger and complacency are dissipating. You sense a desire welling up in you to extend love to a spouse a friend, a neighbor, a co-worker, a boss, and the list goes on and on. Because here's some more good news. As we take in this love and forgiveness, we are freed up to love others from a more genuine, authentic, and free place. And we experience the delight of helping to set others free. We begin to live from the place of truth that we are worthy because of what Jesus did for us on the cross, because of his amazing grace extended to each of us as his beloved creation. To God be the glory. Loving, gracious, and forgiving Lord Jesus, we thank you. We have a safe place to come 
to bring all that we are, all that we struggle with, into your very presence, to pour it out to you, Lord, to ask you to show us that one concrete thing that perhaps has been holding us back from really living life. And Lord, to pour it out to you, to receive from you your transforming love and grace. We thank you now in the name of our strong Lord Jesus.